So now that the Advent has come, uh, this time that is under the Children's Church, may go to Children's Church as you see there. Um, so now that the Advent has come, uh, what do we do now? Uh, well, for us, yesterday, it was to take down some decorations that are outside until it gets freezing cold. Um, that's kind of what part of yesterday looked like. Um, but when I read in the passages of Scripture, it's interesting to see what happens after the coming, uh, the Advent. Uh, and so I want us to turn to John chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 35 through 42. John chapter 1 has this amazing prologue, this amazing uh, introduction of who the Word is, who Jesus is, God and flesh. And uh, it's one of the most powerful teachings of who Jesus is right in the first part of John chapter 1. And then you have the narrative of John the Baptist, his transition, proclaiming Jesus. And then in 35, you have the first followers of Jesus. And, and Jesus has come upon the scene. John has announced him, has proclaimed him. And, and then you see what happens next. And I just want to use this as an example as to what we are to do today. Uh, now that Christ has come, we've been going along and introducing this theme of breathe to our church. Um, and we will start tomorrow our church-wide Bible reading plan together. Uh, and so uh, if you want to know what that will be, well, you can look in your bulletin. We'll have each week's readings uh, in the bulletin, and so you'll see that there as well. Uh, several other ways you can see it. Uh, if you don't want to hear just this week's, so you want to know what's going on, where you're going, uh, if you go out to the foyer, as you exit the doors right to the left, you'll see the information board. There in the bottom left section will be the year's reading. If you want to be technological, uh, with this, uh, you have the Uversion Bible app on your phone or device, um, and you can look up in the Bible reading plan, F260. Uh, you can find it there, the F260 Bible reading plan, and it will give you every day uh, what you're to read uh, for the day. So it's five days out of seven. It gives you a day or two to kind of get your act together each week uh, to catch up and read. It's not the entire Bible. Um, but it is a good portion of the Bible, and uh, you can do that as well as we will be posting this on our uh, website uh, where you can catch up there as well. And so we will start Monday, tomorrow, right? Okay? Everyone knows where their Bible's at, right? I don't want to see your Bibles in the pew. That's always a bad sign uh, on Monday. I, I, you take it with you, uh, and we'll begin, that, begin this tomorrow. Uh, and we will share together as we read. And so I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, uh, about how we can read the Word of God. Uh, but let's just start with John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. And this being God's Word, let's stand as we read together in honor of this being God's Word. If you'll read silently as I read aloud to you. Starts off the next day. Next day after what? After John has introduced Jesus. The next day, again, 
John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, which is about 4 p.m. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to them, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John? You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. You may be seated. If you were to keep reading through the end of the chapter, you would find that Philip does the same thing that Andrew does and says to his brother Nathaniel, come and see. You see that again in verse 46. And so I just want to camp on that phrase, come and see, in the context of this passage and share with you that God is calling us to do the same thing in 2018. To come and see who God is. And so when we talk about breathing, there's the inhale and the exhale. And so as we've been learning, the inhaling is inhaling God's word. Inhaling who he is, his goodness, as we learn of him through the reading of God's word. And so the point of this as we go into 2018 is let us as a church together inhale who he is. So this is the come and see. And then, of course, there is the exhale part, uh, which is to share the goodness of God with other people. To share what we've learned of who He is with others around. And so there is in living both required. As a church, there is both required for us as a body to inhale who He is, the presence of God in His goodness as He's revealed Himself through His Word. But just as important as a church is the exhale to share with others who God, who he is, what we have learned about him. And so it's never something that we just keep within ourselves. And so one of the things I've been trying to show you is how in the Bible you see example after example of this inhale and exhale. We looked at it in the Christmas narratives in the last couple of Sundays. Uh, And so today I want to share with you again. And once you see this cycle of inhale, exhale, you'll see it all throughout the Bible that this is how we are to live as believers, receiving God's word, learning of who he is, and as imperative, sharing with others what we've learned about God. And so uh, with that thought in mind, let's see how Jesus is teaching us to inhale right from the get-go with these disciples. So first of all, Andrew is one of these disciples with John the Baptist. I believe the other one, not mentioned here, is John the Apostle himself that's writing this letter. Uh, And so uh, these two are following Jesus, are following John the Baptist. And as we read in John chapter 1, John sees Jesus and he is identified by the Spirit of God coming upon him as a dove. And when he sees that, 
he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's referring back to the Passover, the Old Testament examples, and saying that Lamb of God, the blood of the Lamb that was put on the doorpost to show the death angel who belonged to God, who trusted in God, would bypass the firstborn and not kill them. All those without the blood would have had their firstborn son slaughtered. And so it was an Old Testament imagery that John is camping on and saying, just as we look at that, here's Jesus. This is God's lamb who's come to take away the sins of the world. So he hears that. The next day, John sees Jesus again and says almost the same thing. Behold, verse 36, the lamb of God. In other words, look. Who's he talking to? He's looking to anyone who would listen to him. In this case, Andrew and I believe John. Look, there he is, the Lamb of God. Go and see him. So at this point now, Andrew and the other disciple comes to him and they follow Jesus. You see that in verse 37. Jesus turned and said, and saw them following and said, what are you seeking? What are you looking after? Uh, one of the questions I asked you last Sunday is that when we look at our phones and we look at the internet, we look at social media, what, the question we've got to ask ourselves, what are you looking for when you keep going there? What is it we're seeking? And so Jesus is asking the same question, what are you seeking when you come to me? That might be a good question for us to ask, isn't it? When, when you're coming to worship, what are you looking for? When you read the Bible, what are you looking for? When you're praying, what are you looking for? And so Jesus is looking for the heart to be revealed. What are you seeking after? And so they said to him, Rabbi, meaning the word teacher, where are you staying? So he simply says, come and you will see. It's a great invitation to us, not just to John, not just to Andrew, but to any of us who say, come and see for yourselves. I love how he says, this is an experience that I could tell you, but you won't really get. You know, when we think about the Word of God, there's a couple of responses that we get to it sometimes. One is like, well, you know, that's true for you. Have you ever shared some scripture, the Word of God with someone, uh, and they will say, well, that's good for you. That's true for you and what they imply by that is you know what that's great if it's helping you I'm glad but there's no promises that that is going to help me nor is there a promise that that is truth that is God's word and what's implied with that is that well you know what I haven't kind of been persuaded that this is God's word to to speak to me I'm glad you think it's okay for you but it's not okay for me one of the common thoughts as we read the Word of God is like, well, you know, this is a bunch of myths. We can't really believe that. And so what you inevitably come to as you read the Word of God, if you think that, as you'll read portions like, I like that, that's good. And then you'll read other portions and think, I don't like that. I'm not going to believe that. And what inevitably you come up with when you read the Bible with that perspective is a Jesus of your own making. And not only a Jesus of your own making, but a God of your own making. Because you have given yourself the power to be editor, and you have edited out who you believe God is. And so God is nothing other than just some image of your own making. And that is the inevitable conclusion you get to when you don't believe that the Bible is God's words, and that maybe there's some parts that is and isn't, and you get to choose what's what. 
And then there's the other angle of it where I remember seeing the saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Um, I remember that on my granddad's uh, refrigerator, and there's some truth to that. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Uh, don't deal with it, don't question it, just receive it. Just receive and put all your questions, put them on hold, and don't experience any of these. Just believe it. I get that, but I love how Jesus deals with this. Where he says to these guys, why don't you come and see? Come and see for yourself. And I think that's the invitation that God is giving to us as well. Yes, there's going to be a point where you're going to be persuaded to believe it. But before you ever get there, God is saying, come and see for yourself. And so that's what I would say. Come and see. And as we first go here, go and come and see and think. Jesus said, come and see for yourself and think for yourself. And so when we talk about inhaling God's word, I would say to you that Jesus is saying, come and see and think. Come and see Jesus by thinking on Scripture. Okay, so this is really important that you're not just going through a checklist. I'm going to read the Bible because, you know, the pastor wants the whole church to do it. And then people are going to ask me when I come to church if I read the Bible, which I encourage you, ask people. All right. Uh, did you read? Okay. Uh, accountability is a good thing. Uh, but we're not going to read the Word of God just because someone's going to ask us. The, the goal is to see Jesus. And He's going to use your brain. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> when you know your brain, that's amazing. Uh, he uses our brain as we reason through Scripture for us to see Jesus. It's really important to keep the end goal in mind. Um, there's a new store uh, that's opened up this past year in Nightdale called Upcycle. Um, and it's a great store in that you can bring your stuff and they will give you a place to sell your stuff. And if you go, you can look and see other people's stuff for sale or their stuff and it's usually a really good price. I think this is, this is a good store. And so my wife will send me with a list of things, uh, stuff that she wants out of the house and selling so that we can have more money for stuff we don't use or need. Y'all see the problem here? The problem is I go to the store. I put my stuff there. And then I think, hey, they got one of those. That's a pretty good price. And I'll spend the money. And I'll come home and say, honey, look, look at what we got. So wait a second. The goal isn't to change stuff for stuff. The goal is to get more money. And I have seemed to lost the end goal because instead of making money, I've spent a little bit more than we made. It's really important to know the end goal of what we're doing here and stay true to that. So I will just share with you that when Jesus says, come and see, when we read the Word of God, it's to think, and the, and the point is to see Jesus. He says, I want you to see for yourself, once you come and experience who I am and what I'm doing. And so these two men went and spent time with him until about 4 p.m. to see for themselves who Jesus is and what he's about. He didn't just say to him, I'm this, this, and this. Believe it. 
He says to him, I want you to come and read this for yourself. I want you to see this for yourself and experience it, who I am. And so what I'm sharing with you as we read the Word of God is to think through who Jesus is. And so I would encourage you as we read the Bible together to get a notebook and start writing down some things. There's an acronym that is useful here. It's the acronym HEAR, H-E-A-R. How do we hear from God? And so the first thing I would say to you as we read the Word of God is highlight. H stands for highlight. As you read the passages, there's probably going to be one or two verses that really stand out to you, that kind of gets your attention. I would encourage you that in that paper or, or uh, on the screen or whatever way you want to write down your thoughts, just write down that verse. Highlight it. Type it. Write it. Draw a picture of it, whatever way you want to do, to highlight that verse. Focus in on that. There's a reason why that verse is standing out to you. But before you ever do that, pray and ask God to help you understand what you're reading. Ask Him to help you think through who He is. You see, spiritual growth isn't just done by physical disciplines. It's done by the Spirit of God bringing fruit through those disciplines. It's kind of like if you're a farmer, you got to plow and prepare the ground, fertilize, you got to plant the seeds, you got to sow, you got to uh, allow for sun to be there. And you can do all the right disciplines, but if God doesn't give his grace through nature, things don't grow. Things don't grow. And if you don't apply the discipline, things don't grow as they could. So in the same way physically through growth of crops think about this spiritually as there's disciplines that we use but we are depending on God's grace through through this so it sounds trite or maybe trivial but it matters to show your dependence to God and say God show me who you are through the reading of the word of God help me to come and see who you are and so highlight those verses that stand out to you and then e explain as we go through uh, this passage, there's some other questions you can write for yourself. How does this, uh, as we ex- explain this, why was this written? Who was this originally written to? You know, as I read this in John, I think, well, who was this written to? And I go all the way into the back, and it tells me in, in the end of the book, in John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, the point of this passage Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. As I read this, I realize that this is a general audience that that has the John 1, 35, and that this passage is given to me ultimately that I might believe on who Jesus is and that I can find life in him. And so it helps me to understand these passages mean something for my own life and for what I believe about who Jesus is. How does this verse fit with the before and after? As I read this, I I did that little bit for you as I thought, okay, well, first of all, John saw who Jesus is because of the Holy Spirit, and John has declared who Jesus is, that he is the Passover Lamb of God. This this is what's coming on before. As we read after this, I'll share with you a little bit how we saw that 
Nathaniel and Philip had the same encounter or similar encounter and that there is a theme going on. So I'll read what's before and what's after and how does this fit in with the before and after uh, as we keep on reading uh, about the explain. Well, what is this? Why did the Holy Spirit include this passage? I start thinking about this. What does this tell me about who God is? When I see that Jesus says, come and see, it tells me that God is inviting me. He is an inviting God through Jesus Christ. And that this doesn't just apply to the Andrews. This also applies to the Jareds and the Marys and the Nancys. They, they apply to us. What does this tell me about who I am? Not only does the Bible reveal who God is, it reveals more about who I am and the difference between who I am and who God is. The point of this is as you read the Bible, it's not just to quickly go through it, but to think through who God is as we read the Word of God. It's to say, I want to see Jesus. And I can see Jesus by thinking about how He's revealed through the Word of God. And so this is something I do. So I'm going to come and see Jesus by thinking about His Scriptures. Keep in mind, why did John write this? John included this bit because the invitation is still true. Though, we can't sit by Jesus anymore. When John wrote this, neither could any of the audience. Jesus had already ascended to be with the Father at this point, but he writes this because it's an invitation extended not only to his hearers 2,000 years ago, but to us today for us to come and see. Now, we're going to see also this idea, come and see. Not only see for yourself, but come. We're to come and see Jesus by following Jesus. By following Jesus. The word come implies a change of position. In our house, we've got six people. And at any given time, on any day, you will hear someone say, Hey, and they fill in the blank, and it's always a yell, okay? Okay. Uh, can you come and, and then fill in the blank. You will hear that numerous times a day. Hey, Dad, hey, Mom, hey, Molly, hey, Molly, could you come and, and so here's always the response, almost every time. Why? <laughs> why? why? Why is that the response? Because regardless of whenever that refrain is shouted out, hey, can you come, then the person they're addressing is usually in a position of their desire. Sitting on a couch, sitting in a chair, sitting in some other room, sitting downstairs, sitting upstairs. We're doing what we want to do, and someone's asking us to change our agenda and exert energy on their behalf. And so the question is, why? Never just because you asked. That doesn't persuade me to move out of my agenda. Is there some need that's going on? And if there's not a persuasive need, then the response is no. <laughs> I'm already doing something. All right? And so you will hear that on any given day because it usually is really about power if you think about it. <laughs> will you submit to my desire for this moment, there's a constant request 
from one person to another in a family of submitting one to another. And it doesn't always go so well, does it? This is why God puts us together with people. To teach us submission to one another. Um, But here Jesus is saying, come. Come and see. You're not going to be able to learn this. You're not going to be able to experience who Jesus is. If you are just sitting in your comfortable position in your agenda, doing what you want to do without ever submitting to Jesus. There is an experience of who Christ is that is only on the other side of obedience. Only on the other side of obedience. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he's asking us to say, will you allow me to cross your will? Not only to allow me, but will you submit your will to me? And so as we read the word of God, if we are, are reading it for seeking who God is, there will be moments and times when we read something and we will not like it. We will not like what it calls us to do. It will not be comfortable as we read it. But that is a good sign that we are listening to someone other than ourselves. If you read the Bible and you never see something uncomfortable and there's never a change or crossing of your will, then you have not encountered the God who made you. All you've done is encountered yourself and you called yourself God. There will be moments where there's going to be an application that is not of your desire. But you want to see God. You want to see Jesus. So as we think through the acronym here, H, highlight, E, explain, A, apply. Apply what you're reading, what you're learning about who God is in your life. So simply, is there a command to obey? Or is there a sin to confess? If I'm going to apply this verse today, what will this look like in my life for Jared to obey this truth How would that change who I am? How will my life be different? Ask that question as you do your journal. Put an H-E-A-R. And as you put A, apply. These are the questions you're going to answer and ask of yourself. As I read the Word of God, how will I apply this passage to me? Come and see by following God. Jesus. Come and see by, and then R is respond. Respond. Okay, now I've heard this. I'm explaining it. I'm learning who God is. I'm thinking through what this will look like in my life, but now what is my response? How will my life be different because of what God has said to me? Perhaps me, how will I pray differently because of how I've learned who God is or how I've learned about who I am? Or God's direction in life. Maybe as I think through this and I read him say, come and see. Maybe I should start praying. God, will you help me to come and see you in my life in 2018? Let that be a prayer for me. How might I think differently? For, for us is to say, I'm going to think differently about how I read the word of God. It's not just to check it off and to, to satisfy Uh, brother so-and-so, when they ask me on Sunday, uh, is to say, I'm going to think differently about what I'm reading to realize that this is an opportunity that God has extended to me to come and see for myself what it is 
to know who God is in my life in 2018. Come and see. But as we keep on reading, notice the response, the action. This is all the inhale aspect of it. Inhaling God through his word. But then there's the exhale. How do we exhale what we're learning about who God is? Notice how Andrew responds. And then we see Philip respond in the same way. Verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother Simon said to him, we have found the Messiah. Uh, Evidently, whatever they experienced about staying with him and hearing from John the Baptist, they concluded he's the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, so you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And then you see something similar in verse 43. Next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, which is meaning house of fish, which, by the way, they just recently discovered what they believe might be the village of Bethsaida uh, in 2017. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Uh, Whatever they saw of Jesus in that time, then he concluded, Philip concluded, Hey, this is the one that the Old Testament is about. The law is about the prophets. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael asked a good question. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Why did he say that? Because the law and the prophets talked about the Messiah coming from the city of Bethlehem. Even Herod knew that. And now he's talking about Nazareth. So what was Philip's response? You know, one of the things we're scared of in talking to others is that they might ask a question that we don't know the answer and here you have that happen, right here with Philip and Nathaniel. Nathaniel's like, how can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip's basic response is, I don't know. But just come and see. I don't have all the answers, but see for yourself. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. In other words, you are what you get, aren't you, Nathaniel? There's no guile. You're transparent. You're pretty plain. As you speak, so you are. But here you you have the same refrain. Come and see for yourself. And so let me just share with you. As we exhale, we come and see Jesus by sharing Jesus with each other. There is an invitation where Jesus extends this. And it wasn't just individuals. I want us all to come and see. John, Andrew, let's come and see for yourselves. And then Andrew says to Simon, come and see for yourselves. And then Philip sees this. And Philip says, you know what, I can't just share this by myself. Come, Nathaniel, let, let's see this with each other. And so this is the exhaling aspect of it, is that there are some things we learn about who God is, who Jesus is, that is meant and intended to be learned in a community. And a sense of people together. The magnitude of what we learn about who God is is something that we cannot keep to ourselves. And so it is only right and fitting for us as we learn who God is, learn who Jesus is, to think, how can I share this with someone today? And so as we think through 2018, is to say with a prayer, not only asking God, will you reveal to me yourself, help me to see you as I read the word of God, but to also have another prayer with it to say, God, let me declare you to somebody today. Let me share 
would I learn about you to someone today? To make that a daily prayer and start looking to see how God will put up opportunities to you. Now, when someone comes up and says to, talks to you, they may not say to you, hey, you know what, the one you prayed about this morning, I'm that guy, I'm that lady. Share with me what you learned. That's probably not going to happen. It could. But it's not normally how it happens. You're going to encounter someone who will reveal something about themselves. A need. A frustration, perhaps. A desire. And God will connect the dots with what they're learning, what they're struggling with, with what you're learning. Be open, be willing, be seeking to share what you've learned that day with that person as you encounter them. The gratitude and thanksgiving and praise to God will multiply. As you see right here, when it goes from two, three, to four, the multiplication starts to begin. And it starts by simply saying, you know what, I don't know all the answers, but I spent yesterday with Jesus and you didn't. And that's all I've got more. I mean, that's all Andrew had more than Peter. He had from whatever time he started till four o'clock, which was much more than what Peter had. And he didn't have to know all the answers. He just said, here's what I've learned so far. We've, we have the idea that Philip perhaps was even the very day. Philip is invited by Jesus to follow him, and so he started to follow him. And then sometime soon, he found Nathaniel. He didn't know much more, but he knew something more. When you spend time in the Word of God learning of who He is, then that's one more part of who God is that someone is not learning. And you are now the vessel to point to who God is. Come and see with each other. And then, I have to read this. This idea of come and see, it's the idea that you can't put into words. You can't always put into words the things you're learning. They have to be experienced because there is a marveling to them. I would share with you, come and see Jesus by marveling at what you've learned. Let's look at an example here. When we look at these two men, especially Simon and then Nathaniel. First of all, when Jesus sees Simon, he doesn't see him for who he is. He sees Simon for who he will be. Isn't that amazing? When you read the word of God, it will call you. It will call you. And by the virtue of God calling you, in the power of God calling you, will be the power to become that. That is amazing. So when you read about the word of God sharing with you who you are in Christ, there is within that the power to become that. And so Jesus is calling Simon. And in so doing, he says, you will be called Peter, you will be as a rock. Nathaniel. It's interesting as we read about Nathaniel, who lives in the house of fish, and Jesus refers to a house of bread, a place called Bethel. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no conceit. As you read the word of God, you'll realize that God sees you for who you are. Nathaniel said, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called out, you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
you'll learn that as you read the word of God, God sees you. You will have questions that you won't share with anyone, but God will answer those questions. You will have struggles in your life that you're too ashamed to share with anyone, but you'll find that God will speak to those struggles. God sees you, and as you breathe in the Word of God, you'll learn of how God sees you, and that you don't have to tell Him new stuff. God already knows, and you will marvel at that. Nathaniel marvels at that. Jesus saw me underneath the fig tree, and there's allusion to that of, of the nation of Israel which is symbolized by the fig tree, some things I just don't have time to get into. And he says, Nathaniel answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answers them, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Just because I, you realize that I know who you are because I see you, you believe because of that? He says, you're going to see much greater things than this. You're going to see much greater things than who you have been. He said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's alluding back to the story of Jacob who sleeps on, with a rock as a pillow and in the night he has a vision as he's running away from his family, trying to find somewhere safe, his brother won't kill him. And in that night he has a vision of a stairway from, from God uh, to him and, and it, the angels are descending and ascending to him. And Jesus is alluding to that one, that vision. But notice he says something interesting. He doesn't say that the stairway is ascending and descending to him. He didn't say that this is the stairway to get to Jesus. Notice very carefully the grammar. Verse 51, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He says, in that dream that you know about, Nathaniel, the dream about Jacob and that ladder, you need to know that story is about me. And all the story of the law and the prophets are about me. And I'm not just an object to get to. I am the stairway. I am the way. And so he is saying to Nathaniel, listen, you're amazed because you, you realize that I know who you are. But listen, you're going to see much greater things than this. It's not just who you have been and who you are, but I'm making a way for you to have the very angels of God descending and ascending, the very presence of God to be in your life. I am making a way for you to become a temple. And it has nothing to do with your fact that you have no guile. It has everything to do with Jesus. You know what is intended here? Jesus shares this with Nathaniel because he's intending for Nathaniel to be amazed, to marvel. Why does he share with Peter? So that he would be amazed. Peter knows himself, and now this one, Jesus, is calling him as a rock? Nathaniel, someone says to him, you're a man without guile? And now there's this presence of God. Listen, I want you to read through the Word of God. And Jesus wants us to read through the Word of God, marveling, amazed at what he is doing and what he has done. The good news about this is in 2018, we've got everything needed for us to be amazed and marveled. Right here in the Word of God. And when something captures your mind, imagination, your spirit, you share it with others. In 2018, as a church, let's breathe. Inhale His Word. Exhale, share with others. Let's pray.